I'm Chris Reback. And I'm Tegan Goddard. You're listening to the free version of Trial Balloon. Visit trialballoon.fm to get new episodes every week and more. So, Tegan, I know what your favorite season is. Your favorite season, I'm assuming, is political election season. So, you know, November and in particular, every four years coming up in 2024. I'm just going to assume, let's stipulate that that's your favorite season. I am curious of your second favorite season. Interesting, because I was going to say it's actually a tie political season with baseball season, but they do overlap. Those are one and two. Okay, here's what I'm getting at. It's tennis season. It's U.S. Open Uh, season. And you have, as you have aged, become a bigger and bigger tennis fan. So really what I'm getting at is if we stipulate that politics is number one, and I agree, it might not be. Baseball might actually be more desirable to you than politics. Is tennis making a run? Tennis is pretty great. The caveat is tennis season lasts a long time. It starts, you know, really with the Australian Open early in the year, and it's ending here for the most part with the U.S. Open in New York. And so when I talk about tennis season, tennis season in New York, in the New York area. Yes, that's what kind of what I'm meaning is, is the U.S. Open. The two weeks here in New York with the U.S. Open is awesome. And if listeners haven't been here for it, it is awesome. It is one of the most fun sporting events that I've ever attended. I've attended earlier this week and I'm going to attend tonight as soon as we're done recording. And I hope I can get over there once or twice more before it ends. And it's fair to say that any trial balloon listeners who do come into town, head over there, they are welcome to take you as their guest to the match. Absolutely. Any any old time. Preferably Arthur Ashe Stadium for the finals, but I'm happy just to walk around in the backcourts too. That's very, very big of you. That is out there. The other thing that you are happy to do is get questions sent to us via the mailbag. Here's how to do it. Contact Tegan via political wire. Email me by simply replying to any day's newsletter. Now let's get on to business. Let's get off of funny business and get on to actual business. There is a new head of CNN. The New York Times reports that Mark Thompson, a former top executive at the New York Times Company and the BBC, was touring wine country in the south of France with his wife in mid-June when an unexpected call came in. Isn't that when all of your unexpected calls come in, Tegan, when you're touring wine country? Touring wine country, absolutely. I can't wait for the article on you that starts that way. But this is not about you. This is about Mark Thompson. That's what he was doing when David Zaslav, the chief executive of Warner Brothers Discovery, CNN's parent, was on the other end of the line with the question, would Mr. Thompson be interested in taking over leadership of the network? It had been mere days since Mr. Zaslav fired Chris Licht as chairman of CNN. The call kicked off a series of in-person meetings, phone calls, and video conferences that culminated in Mr. Thompson's return to the news business after three years away. CNN announced Wednesday that Mr. Thompson would be its next chairman and editor-in-chief starting October 9th. So I have two questions, one about business, one about coverage. Let's start with the coverage. First is, what does this mean for CNN's 24 campaign coverage? CNN is wounded. It's a hurting network at this point. They haven't really figured out where their focus is, what they're doing. They became quite critical of Donald Trump. Chris Lick came in under the new ownership and dialed all of that back in order to somehow expand the audience. It didn't really work either. And so CNN's kind of left there with not much of an audience, I think, at this point. You look at the ratings, they're trailing the other two big cable news networks, Fox News and MSNBC. So I don't think CNN really knows where they are yet. So 
it's a little early to tell where Mark Thompson will position the network as it pertains to politics, you know, but he's got time. He comes in on October and that will be something interesting to watch, certainly. At its core, isn't that the question? Is CNN just unsure right now of who or what they are? They went in a, to oversimplify, in an MSNBC-ish direction, certainly pushed a little bit more to the left. They went from 2015, 2016, really providing a platform for Trump because he was just ridiculous TV. And Jeff Zucker, as much or more than anyone else, cannot say no to incredible TV. He lives for that TV moment. And, you know, people like or dislike him, but that guy knows television and what sells on television, what makes for good TV. So there's no way they were not going to be able to feature Trump. Went from that to completely the other direction, particularly with Chris Cuomo and then uh, Don Lemon after that. As you stated, Chris Licht comes in, makes all sorts of changes, brings them back, even pushes, I would say, to the right a bit. Didn't Chris Licht go to you know various Republican strongholds and say, come on back, we want you. There's a safe space here for you. Editorially, I think they might not be sure exactly who they are right now. I don't think they are sure who they are right now. My speculation, Thompson goes back to CNN roots, goes to playing it as straight down the middle as possible. I don't think you're wrong there, but I think you know, trying to put the journalistic coverage ahead of the business model is probably not where Warner Brothers Discovery is looking right now. I think that they are trying to figure out how they can make money. And unfortunately, in this day and age, I think that the business model will be driving the journalistic coverage. For instance, just before we got the news of Mark Thompson getting this job, we read about the idea that there was going to be this new channel called CNN Max, which was going to be streaming on the Max streaming service. You know, it used to be called HBO Max. Now it's called just Max. That's pretty interesting because the audience for Max is about 30 years younger than the audience for the CNN cable channel when you look at the demographics of these audiences. So in terms of the type of coverage that CNN is going to put out to the CNN Max audience, a 24-hour streaming channel, and the CNN cable channel, it might be very different. And that might be the answer to your question, Chris. They might actually segment a lot of their coverage because they are, in effect, creating a new streaming channel. And whether that makes sense from a business perspective, who knows? But that was an interesting announcement that actually happened before Mark Thompson. Yeah, the day the before. Job, which seems like one of those decisions that you might want to let the new CEO announce. And I'm sure. Well, maybe, yes, let him announce. I, my guess is they felt they needed to make an announcement. He surely was up to speed. I'm sure that he was part of that decision. It would have been nice. Probably if they could have waited, there had to have been a reason why they did that. Does the question then become, is CNN the broadcast channel? Is that old Coke and CNN Max, which, you know, by the way, can you help explain to me how's that different from CNN Plus? I guess there are some differences. They actually are going to be showing actual, some of the shows, I think Jake Tapper show, Anderson Cooper, maybe even Wolf Blitzer, somebody else. Some of their shows are going to be featured live streaming, I believe it is, on CNN Max. But is CNN Max the new Coke trying for a demo 30 years younger? 
and uh, CNN old-fashioned regular is old Coke. I think it's really just the idea that all of these networks are trying to find a spot with the decline of the cable bundle and so many people cutting the cord and they're trying to figure out where do they put their programming. And, and that's really one of the tough things for Warner Brothers Discovery is they have this CNN 24-hour news channel, which was not positioned correctly the new management under Chris Licht positioned it in a way that their audience actually decreased. And so they're trying to figure out everything right now. It's a cable network in big trouble. And quite frankly, I don't really watch it that much anymore. You know, if there's a debate on, if there's a breaking news, Donald Trump's mugshot's about to be released, I'll probably turn it on. But other than that, it is not must-watch TV, Chris. And that gets back to CNN roots. I mean, that was what CNN was great for. If something is happening, essentially anywhere in the world, they had it and they were showing it live. They went away from that. They realized that actually, I think that the ratings were strong only when there were real major crises and all of the you know mid-level or small-level crises or live events didn't garner very much coverage. Then it also becomes much cheaper, obviously, not to have to actually cover news and instead just put on panels of talk radio, talking heads all day. That's much cheaper programming. I think the core of what you have said, an outstanding point, maybe on some level it was always true, or maybe this actually is representative of the death of what used to be true, but the business model will absolutely be put ahead of the editorial mission. The editorial mission, I agree with you, will be retrofitted to align with the business model. Now, maybe that was always the case, and maybe historically the business model was there's limited competition because there are only so many channels. We're going to cover news, and journalism is both our product and our business model because the attraction to news coverage will be monetized through ads. Given the fact that that capability is much, much, much different than it used to be, given the fact that the business model today relies on over the top, relies on digital, relies on so many different channels that you identify your business models and then you back into what your editorial product is, depending on what the segmentation looks like. That is not very heartening for purists, but I agree with you. That's exactly what we face today. Well, I've got just two reactions. First, I've got you on audio tape saying that the point I made was outstanding. So I'm going to clip that and make that my ringtone on my phone. You got it. But number two, I think it's worth mentioning that Mark Thompson, he rescued the New York Times when the New York Times was in a similar financial position. And one of the interesting things that kind of parallels with these comments on CNN and going back to its old model. One thing that Mark Thompson realized is that people don't like to read bad news. They kind of want their subscriptions in the New York Times. But when there's bad news, you know, some people check out. And that's a terrible business model because they canceled their subscriptions and it's not so good for business. What he did, though, was he created this unbelievable New York Times bundle where he included the subscription of the New York Times, the newspaper that we all read every day. You were the about game. to say no and love, that we all know and love, and you, you didn't want to say that. Well, we don't love it sometimes, but nonetheless, it is one of the major papers in the country. But he's bundled it with first the crossword puzzle and all the other games that the New York Times has added to their subscription. He bundled it with Wirecutter, their product review site. He bundled it with the cooking site, which you know so many people use for their recipes. And then he also bundled it with The Athletic, which was the sports publication that he bought. 
And all of a sudden you have a New York Times subscription. And to be honest, I don't even know what I pay anymore for it because it's impossible for me to get rid of that bundle because there's a piece of that bundle that everyone in my family is using at any given time. And so if somebody might not want to read the New York Times journalism because it's too depressing or something else happens, you know, having it as part of this bundle, they can play a crossword puzzle instead, or they can read about sports. I do think it's interesting that that's what Mark Thompson was known for in his tenure at the New York Times. And if we're going to CNN, I'll bet you a bundle's coming back in some way or another. So I don't want to speculate too much about it because I think it's totally different streaming media, but it will be interesting to see unless he does exactly what Chris Lick did when he took over at the top job and instantly canceled CNN Plus. It will be very amusing if Mark Thompson comes in on October 10th and cancels CNN Max. I don't think he's going to do that. I think they're going to figure out some way to create a bundle that makes CNN stronger and makes people want to pay. First of all, you can hit that ringtone again. I think that you are correct. Two, to borrow your language, I would bet a bundle that there will be a bundle. And three, just a quick fact check, because I know that you know, you're know you old school like that and facts do matter. I think that the New York Times article had said that Mark Thomas is going to start on October 9th. You just said the, the 10th. So just- uh, well, we'll, I was we'll going to give him a day to introduce himself to staff before he made these decisions, Chris. Come you're, on. You are very generous. Okay. I want to get back to old Coke versus new Coke and ask you about Mitch McConnell and Dianne Feinstein? That was hard to watch. You took the words right out of my mouth. Mitch McConnell has frozen now in public remarks twice, and that's exactly what it is. It is hard to watch. Whatever your feelings for Mitch McConnell, it is so uncomfortable looking at someone go through that. And uh, it was tough. It was tough to watch. And it must be even tougher if you're closer to him, if you're on his staff, if you're in his inner circle, if you're part of the Senate leadership, because you know, at some point, it seems like there's something seriously wrong with him. At some point, it seems like he probably shouldn't be in that job. Okay. I'm going to ask you about that in a second. You know, that happened with McConnell and all of a sudden Feinstein was trending again. And (laughs) it is just what about ism and no one on the right is going to let any comments about McConnell go by without raising the fact that Feinstein is also raising questions. I certainly can understand that. It's also hard to watch the way that she appears and her being pushed around, you know, in the wheelchair around the Capitol. The photos don't make her look the healthiest, I would say. Two articles, and then my question one, you posted on Political Wire, U.S. Capitol physician clears McConnell to do his job. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is, quote, medically clear to continue with his schedule, the attending physician to Congress said Thursday, a day after McConnell suffered his second public incident of freezing up in five weeks. Meantime, you posted as well a piece from Politico, Feinstein silent in her sad and messy final chapter. The feud over the estate left by Senator Dianne Feinstein's late husband, Richard Bloom, has many of the ingredients of a Netflix thriller, complete with the billion-dollar fortune and the potential for a season-ending cliffhanger over whether she will unleash political chaos by retiring from the Senate. It's the story that everyone is whispering about, given the messy final chapter in the life of a grand dame of California politics. The question that I find myself asking is, on the one level, why do McConnell and Feinstein stay on? But on some level, I'm less interested in that. I don't know that I would be any better at making those type of decisions than anyone else. So speculating on that, I find that a bit tough. The people around them, though, that leaves me more uncomfortable. 
I'm thinking about the McConnell, the second freeze, a spokesperson came up and there was a comment at the end. I think she said to the press corps, kind of after, it was after the 30 seconds. First, she asked McConnell, did he hear the question? He said, yes, but he stood there frozen. Then he kind of seemed to come back and and she kind of seemed to then say, okay, well, let's start the questions again. And she said, and, you know, kind of admonished the media and said, and please make sure to speak up. Please make sure to speak loudly, something like that. And I was like, you know, it struck me then, who are the people around them protecting? Are they protecting the protagonists? And maybe they are, and wonderful. But as you kind of hinted at, things are going to change and people being worried about what happens when things change. Those people have a real interest in McConnell or Feinstein or whoever it is that they're supporting, staying in those roles as long as possible. That aspect of it certainly left me uncomfortable as well. Did you feel any of that? What's particularly troubling, I think, in this situation of both McConnell and actually Feinstein as well, is that there is a certain amount of protection going on. We're not even sure if by some of the public remarks with Dianne Feinstein, whether she even knows what she's voting on at certain times. Um, So how can you really make a good vote? It's just that the people who are controlling her and protecting her at this point know which way they want her to vote and are able to, you know, influence that or at least keep her vote in the same column versus a potential replacement might have. With McConnell, it's very much the same thing. And, you know, the explanations for what's happening to McConnell, they're changing all the time. We know earlier this year that he had a concussion, that he hit his head pretty hard, that he uh, was in the hospital for quite some time. He was in rehab for quite some time. And so we know it was a serious injury. The explanations are that he was feeling just lightheaded or that he was dehydrated or tired or something like that. And anyone watching these knows that that's not it. The television neuroscientists who are weighing in on this, they think he's got some neurological problem related from hitting his head like that. It's pretty obvious that his ability to do the job is impaired, at least partially, just as Feinstein's is truly impaired, at least partially. What I think about when I see these two cases, though, is I think about President Biden and the intense focus on his age. So here's a question for you, Chris. Do these two cases make President Biden look less old? Because in his press conferences and his public statements, he seems much more with it. Or does it simply hurt Biden by bringing up the age issue again? I definitely think it hurts Biden. And while it's just like the old line, when being chased by a bear, you just have to be faster than the slowest person. Yes. <laughs> Compared to Mitch McConnell and Diane Feinstein, Biden looks spectacular. I also saw a meme that showed Mitch McConnell on one side at 81, I think he is, and Mick Jagger on the other side at <laughs> 80. Let me tell you, Joe Biden is no Mick Jagger. If Mick Jagger were running, I think that age would not be a question. I think that Biden, while he may compare favorably to McConnell or to Feinstein, no, I think anything around age, I think it just heightens and intensifies the questioning around Biden. Yeah. I mean, there was a poll out this week, an Associated Press poll that came out and said that 77% of Americans, including 69% of Democrats, think that Joe Biden is too old to serve another term. And even though Donald Trump is only three years younger than Biden, only about 52% 
of Americans think that Trump is too old. And so there is something really interesting about how the age issue sticks to Biden more. And obviously, we can look at these two senators we've been talking about. We can look at people in our families. We can look at other politicians. We know that people age differently. And so yes. there's something about how, what perception is. There's a perception among Americans about Joe Biden just being that much older, it seems, than someone like Donald Trump. Now, the same poll said that Donald Trump has a lot of other problems because the majority of Americans think that he should be indicted and convicted for these crimes that he's been charged with. So, you know, he's got other issues here. And, and that's why I wrote about it in a piece this week called Biden's age versus Trump's crimes. That kind of seems what this election has turned out to be. But nonetheless, that age issue is something that I hear and I see a lot of Democrats trying to dismiss it. And they dismiss it because Biden has been a pretty effective president. But nonetheless, Americans have this perception. And I think that it is just one of those risk factors, not saying that anything's going to happen to Biden. But if Biden were to have a 30 second of silence moment like that, it is damaging to Mitch McConnell as the Senate minority leader. It would be devastating for the president's reelection campaign. This leads to a mailbag question that we got that I was on some level surprised to get because I haven't thought about it as a potential reality. And yet, particularly given the conversation that we're having, it does make total sense to raise as a question, certainly on a podcast like this that talks about politics and various strategies around politics. And the question came from Bill G, who asked, any talk slash speculation of Biden choosing a different running mate than Kamala? Question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. And my initial reaction is, obviously, I mean, I haven't heard anything. I haven't read anything. And I'm a regular Political Wire reader. So if there had been any speculation, I'm sure I would have seen it. And so I'm focused almost a little bit less on the specifics of the question, although please address the specifics, but more on the more the age question becomes a question, will that simultaneously increase questions like this about Kamala's strength as a vice presidential candidate? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. As to the specifics of the question, there has been next to no talk officially about replacing her on the ticket. Maybe there have been some private conversations, although if those were happening, they have not been reported in any way. But of course, there's been tons of speculation about what Democrats might do. And the problem here is the fact that every time we talk about Joe Biden's age, the idea of his running mate comes up because it's pretty important. If you're going to elect somebody at age 82, if something were to happen to Biden over the course of his second term, then obviously the choice of running mate becomes super important because that person becomes the president if he is incapacitated. So it's a big deal, but there is no talk. And I think the reason there is no talk about this, uh, certainly publicly, is that it would be politically devastating for Biden because it's an admission that he is too old, perhaps, and that he's admitted that and they're already going to plan B. If they're going to plan B, that just becomes devastating for Biden politically. So I think this is the ticket, assuming everybody stays healthy and goes through 2024. But the interesting question is, I think that's going to become a major issue for Donald Trump and who his running mate might be in 2024 for many of the same reasons, but also for unique reasons. What happens if Donald Trump is incapacitated and is in prison and they need a new president? Do they? 
you don't need me to tell you, you can be indicted and convicted and still certainly be a nominee. I believe, right? You can also still be the president. So well, he, not, will have, he will have a Secret Service protection in prison if he goes to prison. Would so. have, yes. Anyhow, it's actually very possible that age factor could be a more debilitating factor than legal standing. It also does make me think, based off of what you were just saying, Republicans are running against Hunter Biden and Kamala Harris. <laughs> I think that's who they're going to be running against. I think that's a wise point. Yeah, absolutely. Don't dismiss the fact that Donald Trump could be sentenced to prison. And yes, he could technically be allowed to be on the ballot. I'll go out on a limb here. If he is in prison when January 20th comes around and he was somehow elected president, but he can't serve or he can't go to the Oval Office because he's in some prison somewhere, I suspect he would be removed from office. And I think that his running mate becomes very important. I think that's when Republicans say, okay, it's a little bit too much to have a guy who's in prison serve as president. I don't know. You know how political junkies every four years talk about, uh oh, what if we have a brokered convention? Chris, that's the lifeblood of my business. Political (laughs) wire readers love that. I know. I know. I have, uh, (laughs) it really is. The lifeblood of your business is just (laughs) speculating on political junkie things. Come on. Yes. Yes. Speaking of this podcast, so I did not know the answer to this. Do you know when Joe Biden's birthday is? Do you happen to know the date? I didn't know. I just Googled it while you were talking. I do know that it is after the election and before the swearing in. So I yes, would imagine it's somewhere in December. You're very close, but you're right about the zone. So November 20th, two, three months away from where we are right now. But how do they handle his birthday this year? Do they even announce it? Do they, do they just skip the day? I think they wish Joe Biden a happy birthday, and I think they make sure to not show a picture of the birthday cake with 81 candles on it. (laughs) That would be really funny. No picture with 81 candles. So we'll go back to Joe Biden's birthday. You want to know why I knew how that was? This is a great political junkie observation. Is because Joe Biden, when he ran for U.S. Senate in Delaware, he was 29 years old. He was not old enough to be a U.S. senator. It's just that later that month, he turned 30 and became eligible. So he was allowed to run because he would be 30 by the time he was sworn in on January 3rd. That is a great fact. Want to know another great fact? Tell me. You better get to your tennis match before your wife leaves without you. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. Talk to you later, Tegan.